Okay, we have two lessons we got to get through today. We're going to be going through Jonah, and then we're going to be going through Joel. Uh, now, the books have some similarities if you want to do it spiritually and things like that. Uh, but they, they kind of go together already. One book, Jonah, is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Uh, Joel is a foreshadowing of tribulation in the second advent. So you got, you know, you have the coming of Jesus Christ and then you have his second coming. So uh, it's, you know, pretty easy. And hopefully I could do justice to uh, explain some things right. But we're going to start with Jonah. So if you want to turn to Jonah, we'll start in there. But the thing about Jonah is uh, in Matthew twelve thirty nine. Jesus said that Jonah was the only sign that was going to be given to an adulterous generation. But Jonah, that's, that's Jesus' word. And what he said was, Be he, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet, prophet Jonas. Which leads us right to the memory verse, right? For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the... We'll start in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. The prophet, uh, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tar uh, Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Go with them in the Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it to them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Okay, uh, we'll stop there for now. But Jonah's running in the opposite direction of God. Uh, he says, hey, I want you to go here. And he says, eh, you know, do I, you know, I don't want to go there. Now, there could be a whole bunch of different reasons why Jonah didn't, uh, didn't want to go there. Uh, for one, Nineveh, basically, I mean, you're probably about 80 years out Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So that's, you know, now Assyria. So basically, I mean, you're about 80 years out from them actually coming in and taking over Israel and doing what God had, you know, for them, you know, to play their part in what God wanted. So, you know, I mean, it could have been something like that. He just, but he runs. Um, he knows who they are. And they weren't good people. You know, nothing, nothing changed back then. They were still persecuting the people and, and doing what they would. They, you know, sacrificing the idols, sacrificing babies, doing, doing whatever they needed to do, but they weren't good. It's also a Gentile nation. Right? So we can start to see a little bit kind of uh, a foreshadowing. You know, our, our, our uh, memory verse tells that there's no sign but Jonas, so which makes him a type of Christ 
And we kind of see that because he's, he's sent to the Gentiles. Christ goes to the Gentiles, right? Says, hey, you guys don't want to believe me. I got to go over here. But that's the thing. It wasn't any Gentiles here. I, I mean, Jonah had to go to people that he knew that didn't want anything to do with the Hebrews or anything like that. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. But that could be a, that could be a whole reason why, you know? I mean, a whole reason why uh Jonah didn't want to go there. He just knew the people. He didn't he didn't care about them. He really doesn't. But God, right? He's full of grace, he's full of mercy, he's full of forgiveness. Right? Uh, Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered uh, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And that's our God. And he says, hey, I, I need you to go there. Now, for his, you know, what would happen? I mean, like I said, they were 80 years out about getting taken over, but what would have happened is, is just a, a guess. I mean, you know what if what if Nineveh didn't repent? You know what would have God would have God still used them, or does that mean that right? Because I mean this was prophesied way earlier that if they didn't do what they said, He was going to send somebody in, right, to put them in captivity. Now if 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 they didn't repent, or if uh, I don't know what happened. I mean maybe that would have meant that they you know that the Hebrews repented. So he wouldn't have had to do it. But anyways, it's just, I mean, it's just amazing to look at the plans that God sets forth, right? I mean, he set forth our salvation at the beginning. At the beginning. I mean, you know, and that's, that's amazing to see him work, to see God work the way he does, the way he see works in the and just miracles and do the, people don't think much about it. If you're looking for, if you're looking for goodness, the forgiveness, the, the grace of God, you can find it in everyday life. You'll be able to find it in anything you do or anything anybody you come across. It's there. The problem is we're still we're too stuck on ourselves, running the opposite direction, like Jonah. We we don't we don't want to hear it. You know that's the unfortunate problem. Um. But we can learn some things, you know, I mean, right? I mean, he's sending them over there to Nineveh, right? I mean, nobody's, nobody's different. He had to send them there. Why? For all have sinned. I mean, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. They have sinned. Um, right? Romans 10.14, how, how, how then they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him if when they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher can't, right? And that was the thing. That was what. That's what God sent Jonah there for. Tell them. Tell them they're going the wrong way, and they need to repent. They need to come back. 
2 uh, Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All. All means all. And we can see this foreshadowing future events. God said all, it's all. And He says, go there, do this. But we notice is if we go back, if you go to uh, verse 3, we'll do verse 3, okay? There's some things that Jonah does here. In verse 3, uh, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And then if you go over to verse 5, The mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth wares that were in the ship under the sea to lighten them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. Uh, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, verse, uh, if you go over to chapter 2 and look at um, verse 3, For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. So we have Jonah here who goes down to Joppa. That's the key word, down. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down in the ship. He goes down in the fish. He goes down in the sea. Christian, that's, that's us. That's a mark. Those are marks of a backslider. You just keep going down and down and down and down. And you don't think about the overall plan, the goodness of God, and the mercy is given. And uh, uh, it, always, it always just boggles my mind to think how we are in, in, the, in the wrong things we do and how we don't think about others all the time like we should. Uh, we're in the, right? I mean, Pastor Kenny's doing dispensations and things like that. No, we're in the perfect age where we deserve nothing but get everything for doing nothing. And here you are, you got people back here that would have the Holy Spirit ripped from them and all that. And yes, there were some bad people or some people that made the wrong choices. But every time I look and read in the Old Testament, most, most of them, their heart was better. Right? You read Hebrews in uh, Hebrews 11. They've got faith. They were better. Their heart was better. I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, it's easy to say, hey, I'm going to stand for the Lord. I'll get, uh, you know, I'll be a martyr. I'll do this. I'll do that. It's easy to say. It's going to be harder to do. Where's your heart going to be into it? The great thing about our God is, just like Jonah here, I don't think he'll put anybody in a situation like that without giving them the grace to go through it. He's not going to put you in that place unless he's there with you. And that's where God is. God's in, God's in through all this as he's going down and as he's just there. And God's with him. God's with him all the way.
And again, this, you know, you can look at this as he's going down in the fish to well. That's, that's Christ in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Um, and, uh, you know, and just realize, you know, that's, that's the payment. I mean, that's what, I mean, you can look at that. That's payment that Christ did. And that's just amazing that he would want to do that for us. They, as I said, it was done in the foundation of the world. Now, they didn't get saved back here by looking at the cross. But, I mean, we run from God just like Jonah did. And that's why he did what he did on the cross. We do the same thing. But we have it so great that we don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit. Now, we could do things and, and say things where we... We turn him off so much that we cannot even hear what he sounds like anymore. I wouldn't even recognize it. I mean, I don't know if anybody has been there. I mean, I, I've been there. And I hate to admit it where it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm, you know, am I? Um, the great thing about going down to the uh, blowout was uh, uh, answer prayer. I got answer prayer down there and it was great. And why? Because I'm sitting there doubting and, and going, going, am I, am I where God put me? Am I doing what God wants me? And boy, I, I, uh, Terrence Kelvin did a message, man, and he just, pff, he blew it out of the park. And right then and there, and God was like, yeah, no, you're where you're at. You can't move. You can't do nothing. You do what you're doing. You know, and uh, there's just certain times in your life when you hear God clear. And he says, that's, that's where you're supposed to be. You haven't finished with that, you know, and, and that's the greatness of God, right? I mean, just like that. So now we sit there, you know, why do I say that? Because this is what happens kind of to Jonah, right? Now he's sitting in the belly of the whale. He's going and uh, he had to do some things, right? He had to some, do some things. Uh, chapter 2 uh, we'll start in uh, verse 3 here. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city these days, and Jonah began to enter into the uh, city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Uh, that's wrong. That was chapter 3. I'm sorry about that. Chapter 2 is what I wanted, and, and uh, which is, For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. So what's he doing here? What he's doing is he's acknowledging, I know you did this, Lord. I know you did it. I know you have a hand in this. And he's not cursing them. He's not complaining. He's like, I, I did that. And then as you, as you pick up in, uh, you know, in uh, verse 5, the waters could pass me about even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were uh, wrapped around about my head. So now you put 3, 4, and 5 together, and what's he doing? He's addressing what he did, knows God did it, and he's addressing the fact I'm here because of the choice I made. I'm here because of what I did. 
Now we go over to verse 9. If we look at uh, verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9. Who could tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And again, I read the wrong one again. <laughs> Went right over there. I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9, which is, But I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spoke unto the fish, and it vomited out of Jonah upon the dry land. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He says, Lord, it's my fault. You're the only one that can save me. I'm going to praise you in it. I'm going to give you thanks. I'll go do what you said. All right? And then the Lord spake unto the fish, and it, uh, and it vomited up, out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, that's the thing. I mean, you go through here, and this is it. Now, what did he have? He had godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. So that's what we're looking at. There was a way, there's a way that God, right? Again, type of, type of Christ. There's a way God expects you to be saved. Expects a way for you to handle certain situations and when you do wrong. And if we don't do it, he is not liable. He doesn't have to, in any way, shape, or form, forgive us our sins. If we don't mean it, if we don't have the godly sorrow, if we don't want if we're not going to acknowledge it, there's no need for God to say, okay, I forgive you. Yes, are we forgiven if we're saved? Are we forgiven? Are we going to lose our salvation? Absolutely not. But that's going to wreck your walk. That's going to wreck... Uh, rewards that you can get. And it's such a blessing that he sets it up like this. Um, again, Friday night at, uh, at Hope, it was all, we were, the week we were talking about was guilt. God sets it up like that. So you have that guilt. So you know you have done something wrong and he can take that guilt away. By what? By acknowledging it. By asking him for forgiveness. It's the only way. And it doesn't stop because we're saved. It doesn't st and that's where so many Christians fail because we, we become self-righteous. We think because we've, we've gone to school or, or we study some Bible or we do this, do that, that, that we're fine. And now what you see is a flood of social media with Bible scholars that have no clue what they're talking about. No clue. Half of them aren't even faithful to church. But yet you need to take their answer for something and take what they say because they have the Holy Spirit and they read the Bible. Funny thing about the Bible is you can make it say whatever you want. And that's scary. You can. I heard um, I heard Bruckman do a, a message on uh, 
salvation before, and, and he, he's sitting there proving his point, going, you know, you go back and do a testament, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this. Um, and you could prove that salvation is not eternal. But again, what's that got to do with? That's got to do with what Pastor Kenny's trying to do in, in Sunday morning, right? You need to know, you need to rightly divide, you need to study. Because there's a place for it. And there's not a place for it. And the one thing that's great is that God never changes in it's His way to do it. It's His way to say, hey, I was wrong. I need to change this. I need to get back to what I was doing. You need to acknowledge that. Get to it. First uh, John uh, 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's as simple as that. It's simple as that. Um, if you go to uh, chapter 3 in Jonah, now we'll be in chapter 3, so I know I, know I wrote you, read you a couple things in there. Uh, but Jonah 3, and we'll read uh, the first three ver verses. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, the great city, and preach it unto the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And again, here's his mercy. Here's his forgiveness. As I said, I, I went down to the blow. I, I prayed for, you know, that, that Monday, you know, I, I showed the guys out uh, a testimony time over there. That Monday I prayed for assurance of knowing that God has me where he wants me of what I'm doing. And Thursday was answered. I mean, amen. Amen that you have a God that takes time, that wants to know you individually, that wants to answer your prayer and do this. That's so full of mercy. Right? And we got Jonah here that says, okay, I'll do what you want. What's, what's God do? And in and, and, uh, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. He says, okay, I forgive you. Now go do what I asked you. Go do what I asked you. It's as simple as that. You know, and that's the problem nowadays. We, we see this and we don't want to do it, you know, uh, with work, with family, with, with friends, with, with our kids. Go do what you're supposed to. But we don't. We don't want to take time to uh, watch a movie before our kids or, 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 and go, hey, yeah, no, this, pff, no, they shouldn't watch this. You know, I'm guilty of that. Put it on and, and five minutes later go, whoa, man, this was not what I thought. But God says, hey, man, take some time. You know who I am. You know what I'm going to ask of you. Why not take some time and figure some things out for yourself? Spend some time in his word. But see, that's the thing. It's not about spending time, just spending time in his word. It's about praying. It's about knowing who he is. And that, that's been hitting me hard about praying lately. It's about praying. And that's where you get these Bible scholars on Facebook that need to, or in, in, in uh, TikTok and all these over. They want to say everything. I read the Bible. I read the Bible. I'm saved. That doesn't, yeah. You know, and here's the thing. 
And it's a question we should all ask. Do you pray before you even say something to somebody about whether you should or not? Because just because it's doctrinally right doesn't mean God wants you to open his mouth. He's the one that chastises, that corrects. Okay? And if he's going to use, if he needs to use somebody to say it, you better make sure it's you. And the last time I checked, I don't know what God wants unless I go to him in prayer. Nobody can. Well, it's right to do. Yeah, well, was it right to do? Was it right for Saul to sacrifice? What? Was it? Yeah. Was it the right time? Was it the right way? Absolutely not. Those are things you got to think about. Was it right for Cain to bring an offering to God? Absolutely. Brought the wrong one. He wants to know you. Do you know him? That's what he did. He did all this stuff. You know, Christ died for you. Not so we could say, hey, I, I'm biblically more smarter than you, and I, I know this, and I know this doctrine, and I know this, and I know this little secret passage here, and this. No, it's not. You know what that is? That's Satan getting a foothold in your life because you ain't right somewhere. And that's something that we need to learn how to do. We need to distinguish between our own thoughts and ones Satan puts in us. Sometimes it's our fault. We start it. Satan says, hey. Okay? But I'll tell you what, when you're reading this book and you know the truth, and you start getting thoughts that it ain't right, that ain't you. That ain't your thought. Yay. As God said. Okay. Uh, I was going to take a little longer, but I do not think I can. Because I have to get through Joel. So, if everybody would turn to Joel. Um, and we'll go in there. And now Joel has to do with the, uh, again, with, with uh, uh, most of it is second advent. Second Advent. It's got, it's got some tribulation stuff in there, but it's mostly Second Advent. Um, it does have some historical facts in here and there and historical things, but mostly it has to do with the Second Advent. And why is that important? This one's not going to be as, as preachy, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get preachy in the last one, but this one's going to be more because God hit me with this. You know, there's too many people out there. You, you go through Joel and you can get confused if you have no idea what you're doing, if you have no idea how to rightly divide, if you don't know what God's trying to tell you. Um, and that's the thing. Joel, Joel isn't for us. And I know you can spiritualize some of it, but that's not what God wants me to do this morning. He doesn't want me to really spiritualize it for you. I want you to tell you that you're saved. This is not for you. 
You could think it is. You could do what all is. But there's so many people that go through um, just researching and doing stuff and, and getting prepared for this and seeing it. How many people just confuse Joel with a, a whole bunch of other things? Just, just don't think it's, it, it goes together. Um, but it's a lot about God's judgment. God has a judgment. It's not our judgment, but we do get judged. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Right? We just got done talking about Jonah. Jonah was, God judged Jonah. You don't want to do what I, what I say? Here you go. You know, Joel is when our Lord and Savior comes back and he deals with his people. He says, hey, this is, I need, I need you to come back to me. And that's when they start getting it. All right, so we will uh, start in Joel, and we will read chapter 1, and uh, I'll just do the first three verses for now. Uh, the word of the Lord came unto Joel, the son of Pethiel. Hear the ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Has this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. This is dealing with them. Now you can look at this as, um, you know, he's going to go back, he's going to do it. Um, what you could do is you could compare this. If you turn over, um, it's prophecy. Right? It's prophecy, it's things like that. If you turn over to Psalm 78, uh, you'll notice that Psalm 78 kind of goes along with this a little bit. You know, it's kind of uh, right in there. Let's see. Uh, Psalm 78, and uh, I'll just start reading. I'll only read a... Uh, Maybe five, six, seven, maybe seven verses. Uh, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he had done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Now it says it's a parable, but who's supposed to keep his commandments? Who'd the law go to? Right here, that's what we tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children and another generation. So we can see that this is not even, uh, you know, this is, this is farther out. If they're telling their children, children and other children, this is going way past their captivity and everything else. Because they're supposed to keep doing this. They're supposed to keep telling them, right? 
we'll pick up in verse 4 again. Uh, that which the pale worm hath left, had the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, had the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, had the caterpillar eaten. Awaken you drunkards, and weep, and howl all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. Now, I didn't get a chance to touch in Jonah, but Jonah and Joel right here, you see two different things. See, when Jonah was all sitting there sad and, and, and angry at God, right, what happened? A gourd came up. He was happy with the gourd, right? Very happy with the gourd. What happened to it? Worm made it, right? What do we have here? Well, we got locust, we got a canker worm, we got that. Isn't it funny how God will use the smallest thing just to make you realize that all this is temporal? That you got your eyes on the wrong thing? He does. You sit here and you see that had the locust eaten. Locust. He just used the same judgment that he used on Pharaoh. On his own people. Why? Because there's a price. There's a price for all we do. And praise God we have his son to take that penalty from us. Praise God. I mean, sir, we really do. We live in the perfect age. Where else we have to do is acknowledge that, hey, I'm not a great person. Believe that God died, rose again, and was resurrected on the third. I mean, seriously. Ask him to save us. Ask him to give us eternal life. That's all we got to do. And he says, yep, forgiven. And gives you the Holy Spirit right then. It's not after baptism. Oh, those people I do not like. I don't like, I, I do. I have a problem with that, and that's something i got to work on, but I don't. Why? Because my spirit was with God's spirit. When I did that and meant it from my heart, I know I got the Holy Spirit. And nobody could tell me otherwise that I didn't. I know what happened. But isn't he great? I mean, that's, that, that's how great it is. You know, he's not going to make you go through this stuff. Uh, we'll go to verse 6 here. For a nation has come up my land strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he had the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white, laminate like a virgin girded, with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministries mourn. The field is wasted and the land mourneth. The corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languish. Be ye ashamed, O you husbandmen. How, O you vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Now we're going to look at this uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to be as quick as I can to get through this stuff. Uh, but we got some things that happened. Uh, in verse 6, it says, For a nation has come up, uh, my land strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he had the cheek teeth of a great lion. I'm going to kind of hang out in the, uh, these 6 and 7 here for a, a few uh, minutes here. 
But um, this has double application. That verse has double application. Uh, for one, if you turn over to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, Verse 49. Verse 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, the end of the earth, swift as an eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor shall favor to the young. And he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind or flocks, of thy sheep until they have destroyed thee. And he shall besiege thee in all the gates until the high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trustest thou out of the land. And he shall besiege thee in all the gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Now, I'm not a hundred percent uh, sure on this, and there's some stuff, but I mean, I kind of, I kind of lean towards the way that what, what he's talking about Deuteronomy is uh, is kind of here, and it's kind of towards, uh, you know, they go into captivity with Babylon and things like that. Uh, now, uh, and it could be a reference to, you know, like I said, Nebuchadnezzar or Babylon. If you turn over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 49. <clears throat> Jeremiah 49 and verse 19. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from swelling of Jordan against the habitation of the strong. But I will suddenly make him run away from her, and who is chosen? Who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me, and who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Um, and then if you turn over to Jeremiah 50, just that page over, Jeremiah 50 and verse 52. Fifty. I'm sorry. Fifty. I'm sorry. Fifty. Jeremiah fifty and verse seventeen. Israel has scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and the last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. So we could do that. Um, but the, the the main thing I want you to see and look at here is that even though this could have some double application, the main application. Um, of this kind of starts, uh, you know, it starts in verse six and goes to uh, yeah, kind of into eight. Okay, so for a nation has come up my land strong and without number, whose teeth are teeth of a lion, and he had the cheek teeth of a great lion. He had laid my vine waste and and barked my fig tree. He had made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white, uh, laminate like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Uh, and then if you skip over to uh, verse 11, Be ye ashamed, O ye husband, and how, O you vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Uh, it, it, we, we go through this stuff here, 
And what we can see is this is very relative to Revelation. If you go down back to, uh, oh, yeah, if you go over to Revelation, Revelation 9, Revelation 9 and uh, verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and their heads were, as, were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as their hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Um, and they had a breastplate, as were breastplates of iron, the sound of their wings, and the sound of their chariots, many horses running to battle. And they had tails like on the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue had his name Apollyon. Okay, so uh, go back to Joel here. And um, and here's uh, here's the thing about it, okay? For a nation has come upon my land, strong and without numbers, whose teeth are like of a lion, and he had that cheek teeth of a great lion. Now, what we read in Revelation it states, right? It's like he's going through there, he's talking about the locusts, right? And then what is it? It's of a nation. A nation has a king over it, right? Somebody over it, and that's what you find in Revelation. This starts to deal with some deeper stuff and some complex stuff. I mean, if, if you're not prepared and, and learning how to do it. You know, and you can get, you can get all messed up and think you're, you're going through this stuff because, you know, you don't notice all the come-up hithers, you know. And that's not, uh, you know, and there's a come up hither in Revelation that refers to the uh, tribulation saints and not us. Which you got to be careful with. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, if we go over to, um, let's see, Joel 2, go to chapter 2. And uh, try to fit it in. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, start in verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh for his nigh at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, and the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. There, there had not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even in the years of, my, of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape. The appearance of them is the appearance of horses and a horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame, fire that devoureth their stubble as a strong people in battle array. Before their face, for the pale, 
be much pinned. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run up the wall and they shall climb up to the houses. They shall enter into the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. His camp is a very great, for he is strong and executed his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Now, I don't have very long uh, left, but uh, one thing I was doing uh, when I'm looking at all this and going through it, you see, people, there's a lot of Bible scholars from the past and now that get this confused. They keep thinking they're talking about this nation that has come up with these strong teeth and all that, with the king over them. Now the problem is you can miss it. But if you go over, uh, if you look at verse 11, 11, it says, And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. It's got nothing to do with locusts. Right? They see all this stuff. The appearance of them, because they go, oh, the appearance of them is the appearance of horses. Oh, so it must be, you know, because we read that locusts are like, no, it's not. Why? Because as we go down, you look at the context, they're men. That's God. That's when he comes back down to set foot on this earth and say, I'm taking care of it. It's done. I've had enough. That's what he's doing. He's saying, I've, I've had enough. It's time. We're going to deal with it. It's the Lord, Lord, right? And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. That's his army. Now, we can learn a lot of things from Jonah and Joel. I mean, we really, truly can. And, um, you know, I didn't really mean to get so deep in Joel, but um, God wouldn't give me any peace on it of, of what was there. Um, you know, Pastor Kenny's been going through dispensation ages and, and, and everything, and, and it's important to divide these things. There's too many people out there they are looking for the Antichrist and not looking for Jesus Christ. And that's the wrong thing to put your eyes on. That, that, there's no hope in that whatsoever. And if somebody tells you, I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm call their bluff, I'm a, how does that give you hope that the Antichrist is here? How does that give you hope in any way? It doesn't. My hope's in Jesus Christ. But the practical thing we can learn from Joel and Jonah, this guy's got a plan. He's got a plan, but not only a plan, a plan of how to do things if you're wrong with them, how to get right. Right? <clears throat> if you look at, uh, real quick here, uh, 
Verse 12 and 13, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. That's our God. Great kindness, merciful, gracious. He's got a plan. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to take accountability. Right? You need to understand it has to happen inward. You have to realize who you are and what you've done to go against God's word. Then you repent, right? You change your mind. You change your mind. You go, okay, I'm wrong. God's right. What does God say about what I'm doing now? And you switch. But then there's also that second part that's not inward, it's outward. Because when you do that, that should change what you're doing outward. If you believe what you're reading, if you believe this is the Bible, it should change how you act on the outside and what you do on the outside. It really should. And I'll just leave it with this, and then we'll close. Uh, Psalm fifty-seven, seventeen: The sacrifices of God are, are of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, Thou will not despise. God's gracious. God's good. He's looking to forgive, no matter who you are and what you've done. And that's all you gotta do. Just gotta go to Him. Have that heart to heart. It's not a certain words. It's not a certain prayer. It's not an action. It's not what you can do afterwards. It's all on Him. It's on His finished works. Father, I just thank You, Lord. I just pray that uh, these two messages combined, uh, You just, uh, you were in it, Lord, that people got what You wanted them to get, Lord. And we just pray again for Pastor Kenny this morning, Lord, that You just be with him during the, uh, the messages in the morning, Lord, and just uh, put a hedge protection over him, Lord, for the things that he will preach, Lord, and just uh, give him... Just give him calmness, Lord. Give him peace about it, Lord. And just, uh, you know, protect his heart. And, uh, Lord, just we just pray, Lord, that, uh, that we can be as grateful as we should be. We give you thanks the way we should, Lord. And we just pray that you come back soon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.